Hey guys, welcome back to episode three of College from A to Z with Annie and Zinni. So on this podcast, we talk about all things related to college. And we do this by interviewing a new college student every Friday. Yeah, so follow us on Instagram. It is at college from A to Z with number two. All right, and then we're going to go right ahead and hop into our third episode ever. Yeah, so for today's guest, we have Shanti, who's a freshman at Johns Hopkins University. Shanti is a very special friend of mine. Um, She was basically one of the first few friends I made in the United States. So Shanti was really friendly to me despite my extremely broken English. And since I met her, (laughs) I started sitting with her in lunch and got to meet her friends through lunch periods and our friendship kind of developed from then on. So yeah, Shanti, to start off, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Okay. So as you said, um, my name is Shanti. I go to Johns Hopkins University and I'm a freshman there. My major, I'm kind of trying to decide still, but I'm in a five-year master's program for international studies at Vice which is in the graduate school for international studies in DC there. And I'm from Orlando, Florida. So Baltimore is definitely a change for me, but I've been having a good time and I'm excited to talk a little more about my experience there so far. To start off, can we talk about how your freshman experience has been so far? How was it? Was it all that you expected? Oh yeah. So it was definitely a little bit of a culture shock just because um, Annie, you went to the same school as I did, like when I'm your prep. It's not as academically intense. Yes, I agree. Like other schools, yeah. Um, And Hopkins definitely is no exception to that. So I wouldn't say high school and the IB program fully prepared me for the level of rigor at Hopkins at all. (laughs) But um, (laughs) It's kind of the case for me as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's been an adjustment period. Since I'm taking mainly politics and like humanities classes, the reading is just super intense. Uh, there's like hundreds and hundreds of pages of reading per week yeah. per class. So it's definitely just a culture shock in that sense with the insane amount of workloads, the standards I'm being set to now academically, and also just the people around me. Um, everyone at Winrip Prep, for the most part, was much more chill and laid back um, and more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And there, it's definitely not a toxic type of like competitiveness, but yeah, I agree. it's definitely everyone is super ambitious and super go 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 yeah so you know when I'm being thrown into that also from a completely different like school environment it was at first a little jarring but again it's something I'm adjusting to um and it keeps me it motivates me to a little more yeah for sure yeah can you talk about also the transition from like the social climate in your high school compared to like the one now at Johns Hopkins, like how would you describe the social climate at Johns Hopkins? Yeah, so the social climate there, um, I think it's whatever you make of it, honestly. If you want to not talk to anyone or, you know what I'm saying, like for the next four years, you don't have to. But if you want to be super engaged, you know, having a good time, like networking and like meeting new people, there's a lot of different outlets and ways you can do that. It's definitely not a big state school at all so in terms of like a social scene if you're to go to like say you know uf or fsu or like another big state school you would feel like it's lacking greek life presence is much smaller at hopkins it still exists but it's smaller joining clubs makes a big difference because lots of times your social events and gathering happen through your clubs and the people in it because you become like a little family and stuff but um overall compared to high school where 
I felt like I was friends with like everyone in the grade. So, like Hopkins still mm-hmm. is like I feel like it's the perfect size of like it's not too small. It's not like whatever about one hundred and like fifty kids small. Yeah. But it's not too big. It's like thirteen hundred people. You see familiar faces. And it's also kind of fun to have like friends that are just not like they're not like it's not like one group, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So for you, like what other sources did you meet your friends from except for clubs, joining clubs? Like what other stuff did you do to get to know other people? And also, what are some of those clubs that you joined that like really helped you form some friends like when you were entering college? Right. The club I joined in the first semester was, it was actually a dance team. The, it's called Zimba, Hollywood Dance Team. You were involved in a high school dance team as well, right? No, I just took IB dance in high school. So dance was still... Wait, do you have IB dance? Like, that's a thing? Yeah, it is. I, when I tell people that, they get really, like, shocked. But it was a thing. And it was it was a really good class. But, so, yeah. And I didn't think I would pursue dance after high school at all. But I'm so happy I, I joined the team because I was, like, having, like, a little family from the beginning. I met some of my best friends. A lot of, like, my upperclassmen friends, too, on the team, which is super helpful. to give you some more guidance and, like, reality checks and, you know, telling you everything will be fine. And then, like, also orientation week was a good chance of meeting a couple people. Um, also like our, in our common room on our floor in our dorm you know when people are out there in the common room you just like on your floor you just hang out with them and over time you become friends with them too so I would say clubs is definitely like the most direct way but also just like in passing and like people on your floor um, and also in your classes depending on the classes sometimes you just don't sometimes I feel like it's kind of hard to talk to people in your classes but like some of my friends are definitely through classes too if I have a couple classes with them What's the um, living situation like at Johns Hopkins? Do you have to live in the dorms all four years or do you go off campus? Yeah, so for your first two years, you have to live in on-campus housing and dorms. But then your yeah, junior senior year, you can live off campus. Okay, yeah. What would you say were some factors that you chose Johns Hopkins? I'm sure there were so many other colleges that you could have chosen. I ED'd to Hopkins. And I didn't decide on Hopkins until like the week the application was due because I was like I was conflicted between applying there to applying to Yale because I didn't know what major I wanted. I didn't I didn't have a major in mind. And I just was like looking at schools um, that had a really, really strong interdisciplinary path and focus. Every time I looked that up or something along those lines, like Hopkins just kept on like popping up. It was like, oh, they have like this Bloomberg Distinguished Professors Program, which are professors at Hopkins dedicated to research in cross-disciplinary areas so like like on their website there were there would be quotes and stuff that said exactly how I was feeling so I was like I'm just gonna apply to, apply to Hopkins and it's cool also being like a humanities person or social sciences person and what I would definitely consider to be a STEM dominated school what people don't realize also is that Hopkins is always consistently in the top three for their international studies program like you know they're insane in humanities too um it's kind of nice to have the counterbalance because like in lots of my classes, I'll be sitting next to a person who's like majoring in molecular or cellular biology or something. The way they approach and like think about issues in the sphere that I'm concerned with, like in politics and stuff, is for some reason like different than how like an IS person would approach it. Like they approach it in a completely different way and like research it in a completely different way. And I think that's something I really appreciate because mm-hmm. like you learn a lot from people who think differently than you. Wow, tell us some more about this international studies and like 
I see that you also like have some extracurriculars in high school that involve United Nations and stuff. So can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Oh yeah. So um, I've always kind of been involved with and interested in like diplomacy and international development and things like that. So like in high school, I just did small little projects. There's like small things that I was super passionate about. Like Mm-hmm. I'm by no means like a film person but like I just made like a short like video about girls education and women's empowerment just because like I kind of I thought it would be kind of fun because I work with this organization in Bangalore India it's called Sahasra Deepika um it was founded by my grandparents like 21 years ago and I'm so lucky like that I have that um and they basically provide a quality education and a home to orphaned or impoverished girls in Bangalore and I've been going to India like every year since I was a year old. So I've truly grown up with them. So they've become like sisters to me. So I wanted to do something like more tangible, like a project, I guess, so I could give back to them in a more sustainable way. So then I started a project called Tara Project. So it is a registered LLC, but basically like it was like a very small, small project. But like I were hoping to like scale it up maybe like when I'm at Hopkins, uh, I'll explore the resources there. But it's a fashion social enterprise that seeks to uplift people through giving them work and producing eco-friendly and fashionable clothing and accessories. Like the main product, I guess, the most popular one that we sell, they're these poofy pants. I saw the picture of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just like sketched out like on a plane, on like the 22-hour plane ride on the way to India. Oh, wow. Yeah, like... Oh, you did? <laughs> like four or five years. Yeah, like four, I think like, I want to say ninth grade summer maybe. And um, wow, yeah, so then we got them. We got them made by like this, <sighs> by this tailor named Mr. Ashwath. He like works in like a little um, tailoring, like a little tiny building, like the size of my bathroom. Okay. Yeah, it's insane with his wife and his daughter. And um, so he tailored the pants, and we sourced the fabric from this koa, like a mm-hmm. village three hours from the city. Um, and basically, it's called Charaka. And basically, what they do is they um, oh, wow. provide women yeah. with like the skills and the resources to hand loom fabric so they're giving them like marketable skills so they can help themselves you know like find jobs and stuff so they promote economic empowerment they uh, women's empowerment and we source the fabric from them so like everything from the production of the pants to the fab very fabric of the pants and it's all natural dye it's raw like pure cotton to like selling the pants it's all like somehow related to like issues that i'm super passionate about like environmental sustainability poverty alleviation and like women's and economic empowerment so like again it was super small if you just sold it to like do you remember the tanzania trip i don't know and went like yeah 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 the volunteering trip right so like he bought the pants for the trip because they were perfect because they're like really rugged but they're also light oh okay and we sold them to like friends and family in orlando yeah so like at hopkins i'm trying to like explore ways i can maybe scale the project up yeah, so does Hopkins have those support system for those ongoing projects that you're working on? Yes, 100%. Yes, Hopkins okay. is like, I mean, it was the first research university, Yeah, you know, like in the nation. Mm-hmm. And like, it's really held true to that. It is a huge research institution. And like, that means that funding for any project you want, you can dream of is available. And it's not something you have to go looking for either. Like, it's very in your face. Like, you'll get email blasts like, oh, this grant, this funding opportunity, this like money is available. Like, you just have to like apply for them. Yeah. Um, and there's also like this really cool place called Class Forward U. It's basically like an accelerator program that provides like mentorship and okay. funding and like even like a team um, for your projects and ideas, it's like an incubator. So like, 
yeah, if you want, if you have an idea for anything, whether it's like, you know, IT related or if it's like a social enterprise or a small business or something like that, you will have funding at Hopkins without a doubt. That's actually amazing. Like, Annie, where's the funding for a podcast? Like, Vandy is not giving up. <laughs> and where can um, people like buy your products and they also buy online or just yeah so that's what we're working on is I'm not at all like on the computer side of things so like I'm trying to like have like a team trying to like get some of my just find a team basically at Hopkins who can help me develop the website because we have like a registered domain like if you look up taraprojects.com it'll say Tara Projects opening soon we just have to like develop the website and then hopefully we can start selling online Wow, Shanti, that's literally the coolest thing I've ever heard. You're, you're an entrepreneur. Like, that's what it is. That is so cool. That is oh cool. Wow. No, 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 no. Wow, that is so Not cool. Thank you. So what what would you say is your main motivation, just to clarify, that you started all these to help the poverty in India? So is it the family relations or? Honestly, I just think it's like, of course, like, yeah, definitely like growing up and going to India every year, definitely is something that's eye opening. But it also just since it's become such like a, you know, I don't think about it anymore because like I have the opportunity to go so frequently. I think it's more of like a, it'll sound like cliche, but I genuinely just like feel like a sister, you know? Okay. So yeah. like, I feel like I have to look out. I feel like it's like my duty, I guess, as someone who's been so fortunate to have been given every opportunity I could, you know, imagine. Yeah, having that privilege. For having sure, that yeah. privilege. It's not necessarily like I feel guilty, but I feel like I owe it to like anyone, like any any girl, any boy, like so they can at least have some level of like opportunity that I've had. Because like, honestly, those girls are like just as strong, just as smart, just as capable as I am. The only thing that separates me from them is the circumstance they're born into, you know, and I think that's deeply unfair because you don't get to choose that. Like they didn't get to choose they were born, you know, into like underprivileged conditions and poverty conditions. Yet, like that's what they were stuck with and it sucks. So like that's why I just feel like it's so important that if you're in a place where you can give in whatever way it is, it's just important that you do somehow. And that happens to be like, and like in whatever way you're passionate about, you know, like I feel like giving to people doesn't have to be like through money or through like, you know, like projects, like, you know, more philanthropic projects, like even the spending time with people, like playing music yeah. with them or like, you know, just doing whatever you're passionate about. But that's what's going to make people the most happy too. So yeah, I just like important. Yeah, for sure. I really think it's going to lift them up for sure. Yeah, that's the privilege that I had as well. Uh, studying abroad in the United States, like most of my friends who golfs in Korea, they don't get the education part. Right. Uh, right whereas right. I, like my parents had the uh, financial background to send me abroad. So I get to have education as well as golf, which was a great privilege for me for sure. Right, right, right. I was just going to say that really resonates with me too. Um, my philosophy in life has also been like, I recognize that I've been very privileged and so sometimes when I think like, I feel so guilty, but what is the point of just feeling guilty when there's something I can do about it? Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. Um. So how, um, how much like spare time do you have? Like, do you feel like you're very overwhelmed with work or like, what do you like to do in your spare time? Yeah. So in my spare time, um, let's see, honestly, you have a lot of it. Not really. <laughs> I feel like there always I feel like there's always something I could be doing, you know. If I do have spare time, it's because that I'm like putting off like homework or something because there's just so much. Yeah, because there's just always so much like like I said reading for me is the main like thing. Like they'll assign like hundreds of pages of reading for a class. So like that's always something I could be doing, but like in I have like a spare time, honestly I'll just spend it like like I've tried to like in spare time go to the 
um, piano practice rooms to like just like play piano because that was such an important part of my life since I was young. But like, yeah, in my spare time, I try to do that as well. And also just like check out like places because Baltimore is such like, a cool city. So also just like going out, going out, like mainly like looking for good food mm-hmm. around the city is definitely something I do in free time as well. Like, have you found any good restaurant places at Baltimore? Like what what's what's a famous food out there? Like what do college students eat there usually? Famous places to eat. <laughs> I mean, Maryland in general is known for its crab and lobster. So like if you're a crab or lobster person, then like crab cakes, like lobster biscuits, Maryland crab cakes are super famous. Would you say um, college students go there often? Uh, yeah, so like for us, like it's not a big college. We're in the city, so it's like not necessarily like a college town, if that makes sense. Okay. So there's just so many other people like living there. Um, yeah, but like basically like Charles Street is what it's called. Like that's like the most immediate like place that people will just go to. They have like a Chipotle, a Popeyes, Starbucks, like you know like a Honey Grow, like stir fry bar and stuff like that. Um, there's like eight or nine places on that stretch. But otherwise, like you'll have to venture out like into the city, which is only like twenty minute drive. Oh, so is like the public transportation good that you can like get out of the college campus easily or like? Most people don't just because like you don't want to, most people don't want to park their car like in the city. <laughs> um, getting like a parking spot is expensive. Some upperclassmen definitely, if they have off-campus housing, like they can, um, like some of them do bring their car up, but it's not as common. It's like you just use the buses. Wow. So, the transportation in Nashville is really bad so yeah um so yeah public transportation like the bus system like the charm city circulator is what it's called is pretty good it could definitely be better but honestly like uber and like lyft and all are probably going to be the more popular options in the nighttime for like if you want to go somewhere like in the city but like in the daytime the buses do a good pretty good job of taking you where you need to go there's a hopkins shuttle but that only takes you like i think like a mile or two miles like off campus and that's like a hopkins like bus it's not like a public transportation so that's pretty cool but like i wish it would take you a little farther because there's a lot of things that are like within like a five mile radius that are super cool but yeah yeah quick question how long would you say it takes for you to walk from the end of the campus to the other end? Good question. Oh, like Quinn's is like a super, it's like, the, I would say it's like a perfect size. It's not like super small, but it's not like overwhelmingly, it's not overwhelmingly big. Like to walk from like, for, for like the campus I'm on, like the Homewood campus, I would say walking across it maximum, like if you're walking at a pretty good pace, maximum is like 12 minutes. From freshman dorm, which we called the commons um in order to reach the other end of the campus uh which is another like upper level classman dorm it usually takes around like 20 minutes walk right would you say no it, it will take like 25 minutes to walk from one end of the campus to the other probably like potentially even longer like wow. yeah that's yeah. crazy 12 minutes <laughs> So is like a lot of the student population pre-med and like, what is that like? Um, yeah, so a lot, of, I would say that a lot of people, definitely more people come in pre-med than come out pre-med. A lot of people will like come to Hopkins pre-med and then drop it. So they're like, oh, I actually don't want to go into med. But um, I would say like freshman year, there's definitely a, I think, a big pre-med culture. Okay. Um, and like, what I mean by that is like people and like, right, I mean, it makes sense, like, they're super focused and like concerned with their grades, <laughs> which is something that I am not as concerned about. Like, I guess also because I'm not applying to med schools, but also just I told myself like when I got like when I'm going to Hopkins, I'm not going to beat myself up for like 
not having straight A's, you know, because like I have to realize like it's that it's like a it's a different level than what high school was. So like, but definitely the pre meds like kind of perpetuate this idea that like not all of them, but like idea that like oh if you don't get like an A like you're gonna like, not. It's life or death for yeah, sure. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And that's something <laughs> that like I like had to get used to and like remember that I have to stay in my like in my own zone like you know I don't have to be out here like getting A's like all the time and, and like I won't like be a failure you know so oh yeah that's a great mindset to have right yeah like, I was like listen like I'm just still figuring it out like getting an A here is like getting like a freaking I don't know thousand percent A plus and, plus plus yeah, yeah. <laughs> in high school so I was trying to cut myself slack but I would definitely say in freshman year at least it's a pre-med culture where grades are important and a lot of people are in if not pre-med they're in like something that has to do with medicine somehow yeah well johns hopkins known for its med program for sure um yeah so in high school you took ib programs Mm -hmm. right yeah i was an ib diploma so um so ib programs Mm -hmm. are known to prepare you for college level courses right would you say it kind of resonates with college level courses well (laughs) <laughs> well, here's the thing, like, all of my, none of my, like, IB classes and what I could have gotten credit for okay. even matters at Hopkins. Really? Because Hopkins has an open curriculum. So we don't have any general requirements. Okay. So, like, my history class, my English class, like, I don't, I'm not going to get credit for them there because they only accept STEM credits. No way. And I'm not taking any STEM class. So, like, I'm not, so, like, because I'm in, you know, p- political science, international studies, I don't have to take physics or math or bio or no because it's open. But those are the only credits that Hopkins accepts. So it doesn't really matter for me either way. You know, I could have like flunked those, I could have, I could have like gotten like ones on those exams, I could have gotten sevens on those exams. It doesn't matter because I'm not taking those classes anyways. Oh, I see. Um so Oh wow. So yeah. yeah. Right. But like for people who are in like STEM and who have to take like intro chem or like whatever, like physics one. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm sure like IB it's helpful getting like the placing out of those classes so you can like go into an go into a higher level I personally can't speak to like how challenging those classes are compared to like the IBHL equivalent but like mm-hmm. it does seem like it's pretty convenient if you have AP or IB credit to be able to place out of an intro level class um but I, I think in general people have said that like those like chem physics calc um bio classes that like are at the intro level are much harder than like you know the college equivalent oh yeah that's what I heard as well but like IB like I I don't regret doing IB but like it prepared a lot of my friends for their own schools but personally for me that all my classes have nothing to do with like you know I I, it's it's weird because like IB of course you had to take like you know math and science and all too um but in none of my classes like was I asked to like read 200 pages by the end of the week and also like you know you know the teachers you know what they want yeah. So it's also like here, like I don't know what the professors want. Like everything I do is essay based. So like if I don't cater my essay how they like it to be written, then that'll be reflected in my grade. You know, so it's like a whole different ball game of strategy and like trying to figure out all these things. So I wouldn't say IB necessarily prepared me for like the rigor and like the standard of academics here, but I don't necessarily regret it either. But it's like weird because how none of my credits like even mattered. Yeah. <laughs> because it's open curriculum. So yeah. Yeah. When you say open curriculum, does that mean like you have a lot of flexibility to choose to take whatever classes you want to? Yeah. 
Right. So that basically means there's no general requirements. So unless like you're in a specific program, like for example, if you are pre-med, then yeah, you're going to have to take like whatever the pre-med, whatever your med school is going to like want you to take. Right. But like if you like go in just as like a regular person that's not pre-med, not pre-law, no pre-anything, you can take whatever you want. Like for me, I can take whatever I want. Yeah. Like, so I'm not taking a single math class. Like, I'm like, I'm retiring from math. And that is school. so cool. Yeah, yeah, it is really nice. That is so good, Shanti. Actually, at Vandy, we had Axel, right? Oh my. Yeah, there was like writing requirements, like international language, like humanities, all these requirements. So like, I feel like in the end, you didn't end up having space to take like classes that actually right. sound right, to you. Right. Because you're so obsessed. You're so, like, busy trying to finish your major and yeah. finish these requirements that I really don't like that. So that's really cool. Like, have you, like, taken any, like, cool classes just for, like, chits and giggles? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, my first semester, I probably shouldn't have done this, but, like, I did. I took, like, a philosophy class. I took a neuroscience class. Oh, me too! <laughs> yeah. And then I took, and then I took like, a social policy and, like, a political science class. So it was, like, a, it was, like a, like, a huge variety of things in my schedule. Good mixture, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, like, I feel like it's... I am so jealous. No, it's really... Because I feel like it's a good... Like, if you're undecided, then it gives you an opportunity to, like, really explore anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And if you are decided, then you can jump in, like, to your major from the beginning, you know? Yeah. You don't have to, like, wait. Let's say, like, I was decided I wanted to be, like, an econ major. I wouldn't have to, like, you know, for my first two years, worry about taking, like, English and, I don't know, like, whatever the other requirements are, like, bio and stuff. I can just go ahead and start taking, like, economics and economic theory and things like that. So it's kind of cool. That is so good. Yeah, so at University of Houston, when I transferred, I didn't know about this. So I... I should have known about mm-hmm. this before I transferred because it, it was a big deal because everyone wants to get into that class if it's required, you know? Right, exactly. For freshmen, yeah, as yeah. a freshman. And at UH, we have to take two history courses, mm. U.S. history. It has to be U.S. history mm-hmm. to 1377 and U.S. history from 1377. Oh my gosh, okay. And two political science courses. And I am pre-med yeah. and I don't even know much about korean history and they're expecting me to learn american, american yeah. history yeah, that's great you know yeah no it's kind of that yeah that's rough yeah all those courses that i have to take and i can't even enroll in some of them because, because it was already full them. when i transferred. yeah i know a lot of my friends yeah went through that too like they had to take a bunch of interlevel classes but couldn't even because since they're freshmen like they get less like dibs on it or whatever so yeah um so i'm i guess like i'm lucky in that way for sure, yeah. I, I was very annoyed here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Bring it back. I have a quick question. So, it, it seemed like you were very successful in high school, middle school, elementary school, all the way through college. And even now, you were at Hawkins. This is coming from some out, outside perspective, you know? Like, so, what do you think success means to you? Um, how do you value success? I, I wouldn't say that I have, like, Basically, okay, for myself, I feel like I still have so much left I want to do and so many things that I don't even know I want to do that I want to do, you know? So, like, I just truly feel like it's an ongoing kind of, like, like, everything that I've done, and I can say this, like, genuinely, and I'm really lucky that, like, I feel this way. It's been a result of just things I've just been, like, curious about, I've been passionate about, you know? So, I'm lucky in that my passion is, like, naturally kind of fortunately led to, I guess, where I'm at today, for whatever that's worth Mm -hmm. but like 
I think like success is whatever is whatever it means to you like uniquely like for me I wouldn't say I'm like successful I would say that like you know I've done things I'm passionate about and I'm lucky that lots of them have worked out but I think that like success honestly it's gonna sound so cliche but it's just like genuinely like whatever makes you feel fulfilled and whatever makes you feel like good about yourself and I like also kind of like what Mm -hmm. makes you be the best you best version of yourself towards others as well um I don't know it's like weird because I feel like we're all super young still so it's like we have so much time yeah yeah there's so much time to like do things so just like truly enjoying like like not only just like just like complacently just like enjoying yourself like your life and everything but also just like actively like acting on things you're curious about like naturally and just seeing where that leads you Okay, and and just to wrap up this podcast, what is one last piece of advice you would give to people, whether they're in high school or currently in college? Mm-hmm. I would say that this is something I kind of realized, like in my senior year of high school, um, and also definitely in my freshman year of college, is try not to think of any decision you make in your life as being something that you have to stick to. You know, I feel like as especially in this day, like in age, we feel like we're obliged to stick with a certain decision we've made and it's not alterable in any way. But I feel like whether you're like, you know, a junior trying to decide like what you want to do with your life or you're an adult who, you know, is has been like an engineer or like in CS for 20 years or something, it's not something that's inertial, you know, like you don't have to stay with something. If for some reason something else is intriguing you, I say go for it. And just, like, remember that, like, as humans, we naturally are curious about so many different things, you know? Like, I feel like we're not built for sticking with something for a long time. Some people are, and that's, like, really cool for them. But I feel like, at least for me, it's important that, like, people are genuine 100% of the time to themselves. Just, like, remembering that any decision you make isn't the decision that you have to stick with for the rest of your life. Because that can sometimes make you unhappy and make you feel, like, forced to do something. When, in reality, like, the world is honestly if you have opportunity and you're blessed with it like for sure yeah yeah, like the world is like honestly whatever you make of it and you should just like go for any opportunity you want and not be held back by your own self is the biggest thing I think that's a great advice Shanti thank you I'll take that advice as well personally (laughs) Uh, I I know I have to like I have to take my own advice (laughs) all right Shanti thank you so much for talking with us it's been a bless having you here no thank you guys yeah, this was so No, I'm so happy yeah. that I could that I could do this and it's been so fun. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you guys next Friday. Also, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at college from A to Z with the number two. Leave us any suggestions or DM us people you want us to interview.